Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Summit Hazard Podcast. We're in a series called The Ways of Jesus, where we're learning how to make the ways of Jesus our ways. And today we're talking about the way of deliverance. So let's dive right in to today's episode. I got saved when I was a senior in high school, April 1996. And I hadn't been saved long before I started to hear people refer to other churches as those churches. And, and they would say things, oh, you, you mean those churches. Oh, you're, you're talking about those churches. And, and what I discovered is that those churches uh, were churches that believed that the spiritual gifts that we read about in the Bible, not only are they still available today, but, but that they were available for us and God wanted us to walk in them. I, I found that, that a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the times the churches that we refer to as those churches are those churches that believe what a lot of people consider the weird parts of the Bible. And so not only would they believe in, you know, spiritual gifts and, and how God wants us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and everything we read in the book of Acts, it's available for us today. But also those churches believed the parts of the Bible that talked about demons and spiritual warfare. And that they weren't just real thousands of years ago, that they're still real uh, today. There's still, still things that we need to be aware of today. And, and, and so I just want to ask you a question this morning. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are watching this morning. But I want to ask everybody a question, and it's simply this. Do you believe the Bible? So Summit, I'm asking you that question. Do you believe the Bible? You watching on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you are. Now, maybe you hear that and say, no way, man. Listen, I don't believe the Bible. There's no way. Listen, it's 2022, man. We've moved on. And here's the deal. If you answer no to that question, I am so glad that you're watching, genuinely. Uh, I would love to connect with you. Text the number on the screen. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to know what got you watching today. What has you here with us? Maybe you come to Summit on a semi-regular or a regular basis, and you're like, listen, I don't believe the Bible. I come to church, but I don't believe the Bible. I would love to talk to you, hear your story. Listen, that's my background. I didn't grow up in church. If that's you, man, I get it. I, I, I would love to hear your story and what's got you where you are today. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. But if you say, yes, Mark, listen, I believe the Bible. Mark, I absolutely believe all of the Bible. Well, I want to ask you a question then to follow up with that. And it's simply this. Do you really believe all of the Bible? Or do you only believe the parts of the Bible that are comfortable to you? Do you only believe the parts of the Bible that fit into life the way that you think that life works? And see, the reason we're doing this series, The Ways of Jesus, is because what we need, what we summit, the church, whoever you are watching today, what the church of Jesus needs is to make the ways of Jesus our ways, no matter what it looks like. We need to make the ways of Jesus, His kingdom, dependence, today, the way of deliverance. We, we need to make the ways of Jesus our ways. And so today we're talking about what we're calling the way of deliverance. When you look at the book of Mark, the very first act of ministry that Jesus does is Jesus delivers somebody who was demonized. 
So I want you to see this this morning with me. So if you got a Bible with you, near you, somewhere around you, and, and listen, if you don't have a Bible open, open up a Bible this morning. We're going to look at a lot of things, okay? Mark chapter 1 is where we are. Mark chapter 1, verses 20, uh, 21 to 28 is where we're going to be. Mark 1, 21 to 28. So go ahead and grab a Bible, open it up, turn it on, whatever you've got to do. Here we go. Let's, ju- let's dive right in. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came... Jesus went into the synagogue, important detail, and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, I'm going to come back to that, who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, Who is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Now here's the deal. Listen to me, Summit. This is not a one-time thing where right there in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, Mark throws in how Jesus delivers somebody who is demonized and then you never see it again. Listen, this is all over the book of Mark. The book of Mark is the shortest gospel that we have out of all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the shortest, 16 chapters, and it's the quickest. I mean, Mark really does read like like an action movie that never stops, never slows down, never misses a beat, just one event after another. And all through the book of Mark are things like this, where Jesus will go into a town here, a synagogue, other places, and have encounters with people who are demonized, and he will deliver those people. It's all over the book of Mark. Even at certain points in the gospel of Mark, Mark will sum up Jesus's ministry by saying things like uh, like this. Listen to this. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. So just Mark Mark will throw that in. What did Jesus do during his ministry? He drove out a lot of demons. And here's the thing you've got to understand about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are not biographies where we read about the life of Jesus and then we get to the cross and the resurrection. That's not the purpose of the Gospels. Listen to me. The Gospels are showing us what Jesus did so that we can keep doing the same thing. The Gospels are written to show us what Jesus did, but so that we today, right now, 2022, we can continue to do what Jesus did. Or to say it with our series, we can make the ways of Jesus our ways. So here in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the way of mission. In the book of Mark, Jesus sends out, Mark chapter 3, Jesus sends out the disciples on the same mission that he was on to heal the sick and to deliver people who are oppressed by demonic spirits. Now, maybe you're watching this and maybe you come to Summit every week. Maybe you go to another church. Maybe you don't go to church at all. And you are thinking, is he really talking about this? Is he really doing this? Are we really talking? 
about this kind of thing. And listen to me. If you are thinking that right now, here we are, we're talking about the way of deliverance. And if you're thinking, wow, are we really talking about demons, demonic spirits, demonization? Are we talking about this this morning? If you are thinking that, here's exactly what I want to say to us. And if you forget everything else that I say, I need our church, Summit Church, I need our church to get this. And here it is. You and I, we need to normalize the Bible. I'm going to say it again for somebody watching that just walked in the room on Facebook. We need to normalize the Bible. Too many times when we talk about stuff like this, and I hear Christians do it. I used to do it, and listen, the Holy Spirit really convicted me about it, and so I'm trying to break this off of my life. But too many times when we talk about stuff like this, demonization, possession, you know, and all this stuff that we're talking about, deliverance, we talk about it and we apologize for it. We label it as, as weird, it's, it's kind of crazy, we apologize for it, it makes us uncomfortable. We say things like this, oh listen, I'm sorry if you think this is crazy. Oh, I know that you probably think I'm crazy, and if you think I'm crazy, you can stop listening, you can tell me to shut up, you can turn me off. I know this is weird, listen, we need to stop doing that. If you're watching me this morning, you're like, listen, all this stuff about demonization and all this deliverance stuff, this is weird. I just want to go ahead and invite you to come back on Easter Sunday when I tell you that I believe 2,000 years ago there was a man whose name was Jesus. He was the Son of God. They physically killed him, and he came back to life from the dead three days later. Summit, or listen to me, followers of Jesus, stop trying to water down Christianity so that it fits into your lifestyle. This whole thing was built on a man coming back from the dead. You need to normalize the Bible. Don't apologize for it. Don't apologize for things in the Bible that seem out of step with the way we live. See, when we do this, when we apologize for the Bible, oh, this is weird, and we try to soften it, water it down, cover it up. When we act like things that the Bible assumes are normal, are actually not normal, we are saying that the world of the Bible and my world are disconnected. See, when I act like the Bible is weird, when I act like things that the Bible assumes are normal, and the Bible does assume that deliverance is normal, when we act like things that the Bible assumes are normal are actually weird, we are disconnecting the Bible from our lives. This is why too many people that claim to know Jesus and too many people that go to church on Sundays, their faith and their life are totally disconnected. This is why there's too many people that are convinced that they're saved and they're going to heaven one day when they die, but Jesus doesn't affect their marriage. He doesn't impact their finances. Jesus doesn't help them in their relationship. Jesus is not changing them, but oh yeah, I'm saved and going to heaven when I die. What's it matter to you on a Monday morning? I have no idea. No, no, no. What we need to do is we need to normalize the Bible. Look at it. If you got your Bible open, let's dive into this. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. Just then a man, now watch these three words in their synagogue. This man was in the synagogue. Jesus goes into the synagogue, and when Mark says this man was in their synagogue, Summit, what he's trying to tell you and me is he is telling us that this is a man that was there every single time people gathered. This is a person that everyone in the synagogue knew. This is a person who went to the synagogue Mark wants us to know to worship. This is a person who would have went to the synagogue and heard the Torah taught on a regular basis. This is a person everyone knew. They knew everyone. Listen, when Mark says Jesus walked into the synagogue and there was a man in 
the synagogue. He belonged to that synagogue. He was a part of the life of the synagogue. This is a way that Mark is trying to tell us that this man was a believer. And this man had what Mark calls an impure spirit. So obviously that brings up the question that everybody asks every single time you talk about this, and it's the question, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? And, and, and let, me, let me say this about that question. That's a bad question. I understand the question, but, but the question, can a Christian be possessed by a demon, is actually not a good question. Let me tell you why. Because in Greek, the original language of the New Testament, there is no word for possession. The Bibles that you and I use, English translators of the Bible, they see the word, and the word is actually demonized. A better word would be the word demonized. But they put the word possession. My Bible has it. Your Bible probably has it. English translators of the Bible will use the word possession to help you and I understand, to try to give us a frame of reference for what's being talked about. But the Greek word is the word demonized. And in Greek, the word demonized didn't mean ownership. So a lot of the times the question, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Let's, let's, let's answer the question here. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a son or a daughter of God, Jesus Christ owns you. He bought you with a price. You've been redeemed. That means bought. He be, you belong to him. Jesus bought you. He owns you. His spirit lives in you. Jesus owns you. You are his. But, listen to me. But you can, you can leave some doors open somewhere in your life for something to come in and you can give, unintentionally probably, you can give control, control, control. Not ownership, Jesus owns you. Not ownership, but you can give control. Something creeps into your life that begins to control your mind, your heart, and you can let something in your life that looks a lot like what Paul calls in Ephesians chapter 6, powers and principalities. Think about it like this. Speaking of the book of Ephesians, we're going to go there in a little while. But in the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. And in the book of Ephesians, he says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger so that you don't give the devil a foothold. He's talking to believers. He's talking to an entire church. He's saying, listen, you need to do something about your anger because if you just let anger unchecked rule your life, you are leaving a door open for the enemy to get into your life. Do you see that? You're leaving a crack open for something to get into your life that does not look like Jesus. Something to get into your life that does not look like the kingdom of God. Notice this. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. Jesus delivers this man from, de from demonization. And look at verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority. Do you see that? That is amazing to me. Jesus just drives an impure spirit out of a man that all of them knew, and they don't say, what was that, a demon? No, they're not amazed. Watch this. They're not amazed that the man had an impure spirit. They're amazed by the authority that Jesus had over the spirit. 
Because for these people in the synagogue, there was no natural and supernatural. It was God over all of it. So the things that you and I call, quote unquote, weird were normal to them. And it ought to be normal to us as followers of Jesus. This is how Jesus assumes reality works. Jesus assumes that there is an unseen world that affects the world that we live in. If you were with us through the series in Revelation, we talked about it every single week. Jesus assumes this is how reality works. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that you have a better understanding of reality than Jesus? Do you think that you've got a better grasp of the way the world works? than Jesus? Here's a question for you. Summit, let's lean into this for a second. What if we started to view hazard through this lens? What if we started to view Eastern Kentucky through this lens that there are powers and principalities that impact people, that impact a region? What if we started to look at hazard through the lens that Jesus looked at the world through? Now, now here's the deal. Now, now watch this. Now, be careful now. This probably doesn't mean that everybody should go to Walmart this week and try to start driving demons out of everybody. Don't do that. Don't do that this week, all right? Don't try to do that. But what it does probably mean, what it does mean for you and I is the question, do you think that it's in the realm of possibility that there are demonic strongholds over our region for things like addiction, for things like religion, for things like division. And if you and I, if the church of Jesus, if we are not using the weapons that God's given us to fight in His power, y'all, we've lost the war already. Would you be open to that? Would you be open to the possibility that these kind of things impact people in our entire region. And the church of Jesus has weapons for this kind of warfare. But not only would you be open to that impacting an entire region, Summit, would you be open to the possibility of how this might have made its way into your life? Look with me again at chapter 1, verse 23. Look at this. Look at what Mark calls this spirit. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit. That word impure, it means out of order. Have you ever walked up to something like a vending machine and saw an out of order sign on it? Right? You're going to go there and get Doritos and there's an out of order sign and you walk away. Here's what that sign means. Out of order means something is wrong inside the machine that's causing it to work in a way that it was not designed to work. It's not operating the way that it's supposed to. It is out of order. How can you know if something is out of order in your life if you're a Christian? How can you know if by chance you have left a spot open in your life for something to come in that does not look like Jesus, that does not look like the kingdom of God, how can you know if something out of order is in your life? And here's the answer. The answer is simply this. Look at the fruit. How can you know if something is out of order in your life? Look at the fruit coming out of your life. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus talks about false teachers, and he says, you will know them by their fruit. And listen, that's not just true about false teachers. That's true about everybody. 
So, so what is fruit? I don't mean like literal fruit. What is fruit? Fruit is what comes out of your life. And the reason it comes out is because that's what's in. Fruit is what comes out of your life. And the reason it comes out of us is because that is what is in us. So in Galatians chapter 5, you can look at it if you've got a Bible with me. Galatians 5, 19 to 24 lists the fruit of the Spirit, but it also lists the fruit of the flesh. Listen to these verses, Galatians 5, 19 to 24. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, fruit is what comes out of us. And so we need to honestly ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything that's out of order in my life? Is there anything out of order in my life that doesn't line up with the kingdom of God? Holy Spirit, is there anything coming out of me that doesn't look like your fruit? Instead, it looks like the fruit of something else. Let me, let me give you some examples. Let's really try to drill down on this. Let's give some examples. Part of the nature of Satan is division. To tear people apart, to accuse people, to, to get people to accuse each other, to split churches, destroy friendships. Part of Satan's nature is division. When we look at the world right now, our world is as divided as it's been in my lifetime. I'm not the only person who said that. I'm sure you might agree with me on that. Our world is divided. And here's what, we, here's what the Bible says. We just now saw it earlier in the book of Ephesians. The Bible doesn't simply tell us, hey, you know what? People are angry. No, what the Bible says is that there is a spirit behind that anger, and that spirit can make its way into your life. Do not let the sun go down on your anger because it can be a foothold, an open door, a crack, a way for the enemy to get into your life, into your family, into your church. So listen, when the church of Jesus can't love and all we do is is, is we bark at each other and we yell at each other and we're mad at each other and the world. When the church is just as divided as the world, the only explanation is that another spirit has made its way into the church. I'll give you another example. Another example. The fruit of the flesh, what comes out of us is something has made its way in. Sexual immorality. So a bottom shelf easy example is pornography. 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 There is, pornography is an open door that lets powers and principalities have a field day with your mind. And listen, our brokenness and our sin, absolutely. Listen, you've got, there, there's three enemies the Bible talks about. The world, the world's system, the system of the world that's built to get you and I to live our lives dependent on ourselves instead of God, the world, the flesh, that's my sinful nature, and then the devil, the world, the flesh, 
and the devil. And we live in a world that objectifies women, objectifies people, the flesh, our brokenness. We use each other. We use people. We, we use people to satisfy our own desires. And the devil wants to tap into that so that pornography is an open door for powers and principalities to make their way into your life. Because instead of seeing other people as an image bearer of God that Jesus loved and died for and I should want to love and serve, instead of seeing other people as image bearers of God, pornography causes us to see other people that God made as simply objects for people to use. We, we bring people down from being an image bearer to some object that we can throw away. And pornography is an open door for the enemy to get into your life. Is there anything in your life that does not look like Jesus? Does not look like the kingdom? Summit, here's the deal. I believe this. I believe this with every single fiber of my body. I think that we ought to take this issue as serious as the Bible does. I think that we ought to take the issue of deliverance as serious as the Bible takes it. I think that we ought to take the reality of dark spiritual supernatural powers that are against the kingdom of God as serious as the Bible takes it. And the Bible is extremely serious about it. So maybe if you're here, you're watching, you're thinking, Mark, I think that's me. Mark, I think that there's some things in my life I see coming out of me. What comes out of you is what's in you. That's fruit. Mark, there's some stuff coming out of me that doesn't look like Jesus. What do I do? I'll give you two things. Two things, and then we're done. Here's two practical things for you and I to begin to do as individuals and as a church, everybody that's watching. Here's the first one. We need to intentionally shut every door that's open in your life. You and I, we need to intentionally close every door that's open in our lives for anything to get in. If you've got a Bible with me, open up to Luke 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. I love this parable that Jesus tells here. Luke 11, 24 to 26. This man, this, uh, this, this is right in with where we are. Really pay attention, guys. Listen to this this morning, wherever you are. Watch this. Luke 11, 24 to 26. When an impure spirit, an out-of-order spirit, spirit that's out of order with Jesus and His kingdom, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So imagine this. Here's the parable that Jesus tells so that we can understand it. Imagine that you're going to go away for a couple of days, business trip, vacation, weekend trip, whatever it's going to be. And, and before you go, you clean your house a little bit. You don't want to come back and have to clean. You don't want that work. So, so you know what? Before I go, I'm going to sweep up. I'm going to, clean, I'm going to clean the house a little bit before we go. So you pick the house up a little bit. You go on the trip. You have a great time. You come back. You bring all the luggage in from the car. You know all that, how, how hectic it is. You get in the house, you unpack, you put, everything, uh, you put everything back where it belongs, and you're walking through the house, and you get to a room where you notice that you left a window open the entire trip. The whole time you were gone, that window was open. 
Now you're only going to stand and stare at that window for a couple minutes before you ask yourself, I wonder if something came in through that. I wonder if anything crawled in my house through that window. I wonder if anything made its way into my house through that window that I left open. And I didn't even know that window was open. Listen to me. In the parable, you and I are the house. And I can clean the outside of my life so that I look like I'm good and I look like I've got got it all together. I can even clean the inside of my life as much as I'm aware of. I confess my sin to God and that sort of thing. But maybe... Somewhere in my life, there is a door, a window, something is left open for something to come into my life that doesn't look like Jesus, and it doesn't look like His kingdom. That's the point of the story. The point of the story is that you and I are this house, and that we can leave someplace open in our lives for something to make its way in. This is Ephesians 4. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. You may give the enemy a foothold. This is why some of us, you're watching this morning, and we've left a crack open in our mind. Maybe somebody said something to you when you were little. Nobody loves you. You can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. You went to church and all you ever heard was God hates you. God's mad at you. God's never going to love you. God couldn't use somebody like you. And you believed that lie. And that lie has become an open door for the lies of the enemy to creep in. You're watching me this morning. You're a follower of Jesus. Jesus has saved your life. But that trauma, that wound, that thing that people did to you, that thing that somebody said to you, the enemy has exploited that in your life. In your life, It's an open door and something is getting in that does not sound like Jesus. Or you've got a habit in your life and you're convinced you can't live without that habit. And every time you do it, you feel horrible. You feel so much shame. You hope never, nobody ever finds out. You confess it to God. God, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And then you find yourself back in the same place doing the same stuff over and over again. And you've convinced yourself you can never live without that thing. And it's an open door. Or, or you've got this thing that you're going to, this thing that you're looking at. Or maybe you're watching this and you're just bitter and cynical. And you watch and you're thinking, listen, if you've seen what I've seen, you'd be bitter too. If you've seen, if you've experienced the stuff I've experienced, you'd be cynical too, Mark. And you justify it, but it's an open door. And what we need to do is we need to, in the name of Jesus, shut every door in our lives, shut every door in our houses that are open where something might be coming in. This is why we need to pray, and I want to challenge you this week, spend some time in prayer. Holy Spirit, is there any doors open in my life? Is there any windows that are cracked just a little bit for something to get get in? Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I'm playing games with, that I'm making excuses for. Spirit of the living God, show me if there's any place open in my life. And intentionally, in the name of Jesus, shut that door. Just say it out loud. I shut that door in the name of Jesus. I'm shutting that habit in the name of Jesus down. I'm not going to go back there. I'm not going to feed that. I'm not going to keep going down that road. Intentionally shut that door in the name of Jesus. But I'll give you the second thing, and here it is. Number two, so first thing, what do I do? What do I do? The way of deliverance. How do we start to walk in that way? Number one, intentionally shut every door in your life where anything other than the Spirit of God can get in. Number two, intentionally put on the armor of God every day. 
intentionally put on the armor of God every day. We're almost done. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6. You know this passage. You probably knew I was going to go here. All right. Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. Put on the full armor of God. Paul says put on because he assumes I don't have it on. Paul assumes that you and I need to put on the armor of God every day, like putting on a different outfit, changing shirts, whatever it is. Paul assumes I don't wake up every day and the armor of God is automatically on me. I have to intentionally put on the armor of God every day. How do you put on the armor of God? How do you put on God's armor? Verse 18 says this. We're going to go through all the pieces of the armor, but verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keeping, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. How do you put on the armor of God? Summit, you pray it on. You pray it on. I am saying intentionally every single day, pray on every piece of the armor of God. So pray it on. I put on the belt of truth. Jesus, help me to put on the belt of truth. Who you are, who you say that I am. That belt of truth holds everything together. Jesus, I put on the breastplate of righteousness that says I belong to you. You own me and declare that. Confess that over your life every single day. I belong to Jesus. His blood has cleansed me. The breastplate of righteousness. I have been set apart for Him and I am covered in Jesus' righteousness. Jesus, I belong to You. Jesus, help me to put on the shoes of the Gospel that everywhere I go, I know that I'm Yours and everywhere I go, give me a readiness to love people like You love, to share the Gospel. Jesus, help me to take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith are the promises of of God. And a lot of us need to memorize and internalize certain promises of God that speak to specific struggles and issues in our lives. So if the voice of the enemy is that thing that somebody said to you years and years ago, you need to memorize some verses that speak to your identity in Christ. And every single time the enemy puts that lie in your head that says God doesn't love you, you're a loser, you're never going to do anything right, you just begin just like Jesus in the wilderness with the devil. You speak it out loud. I am who God says I am. I am a son of God. I am His beloved and He is pleased with me. I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I take up the shield of faith. I put on the helmet of salvation. Summit, renew your mind. Renew our minds. God, help me to renew my mind and watch what I think about. Help me to fill my mind with your word. I put on the helmet of salvation. I take up the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. The Word of God is a sword, and I'm going to use it to fight against the enemy. And then he says, praying at all times. Did you know that prayer is a weapon? Prayer is how we destroy strongholds in our community. It's how we destroy strongholds in the church, how we destroy strongholds in our lives. God, I pray on the armor of God. And some, don't miss this. Not only... Do individuals need to put on the armor? He's telling this to a whole church. I need you to pray for me that I would put on the armor every day. 
And you need me and every believer. We need to pray for each other. Help so-and-so to put on the armor today. Somebody's going to school today and God, cover them with your armor. God, I pray for these teenagers that you'd cover them with your armor. I pray for my kids, my wife, my husband. I pray for these people in my church that I saw last week. And God, I was just really drawn to them. Help them to put on the armor of God today. Intentionally shut every door where the enemy could come in. And then intentionally put on the armor of God. Some, listen, this is not weird. What's weird is that the church thinks it's weird and that's why the enemy is giving us a beating daily. That's why he's coming against us daily. That's why we're so beat down so often by the enemy. Summit, listen, we need to walk in this way and take this as serious as Jesus takes it. And so today, for the time of response, I just want to pray over you today. And listen, if you are watching this, and you're just the Holy Spirit has convicted you, the Holy Spirit's just begun to speak to you right here in this moment, right here while we're talking this morning, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you and saying, hey, listen, this thing in your life doesn't look like Jesus. Hey, listen, this thing in your life doesn't look like the kingdom. I want to pray over you this morning. Listen, there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. So if you feel bound up by anything, would you reach out to somebody? You can send us a message right now. You can send us a message on Facebook. Reach out to us, those of you watching on YouTube. You might be watching this. You've never given your life to Jesus. Can I tell you, listen, Jesus loves you, wants to save you, and wants to bring you into his kingdom today. And all you need to do is ask him to forgive you and to come into your life. So would you pray with me this morning? Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would help us to put on your armor. And God, as we wrap up this time, this time is not done. We're not done with this, Jesus. This is a reality that our world doesn't think about. Too many times the church doesn't think about it. But Jesus, it was front and center at your life. It was front and center in your ministry. And so Jesus, I pray that the church would walk in the weapons and the power that you have given us. In the name of Jesus, God, help us to shut every door that might be open where something other than you is coming in. And God, in the name of Jesus, help us to put on the armor. Help Summit Community Church, every follower of Jesus watching this, help us to put on the armor today and every day that we would walk in the power and freedom that you have for us. And Father, for anybody that's watching this that's, that, that doesn't know you, has never given their life to you, God, I pray that today you would show them your love. You would show them your mercy. That, God, they would know that, that, that the door of salvation is open for them. And if you're watching this, you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to. Right now, just send us a message. Right now, let us know in the chat room. Today, I want to be saved. Right now, reach out to us. You can text the word hello to the number that's on your screen. We'd love to reach out to you. But, Jesus, as we close this time today, God, I thank you for everybody that, that's watching. And God, I pray that we would take this as seriously as you take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Summit, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody that's watching, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be back in person the following uh, Sunday, so next Sunday. Um, but God bless you. If you're watching for the first time, text hello to the number on your screen. And right now, we want to give you an opportunity to give. You can give and support the ministry of Summit if this ministry, if this church has blessed you, if you come to Summit, invite you to give. 
But you can give by texting the word give to the number that's on your screen right now. A lot of you have begun to use, a lot of you started to use uh, online giving during COVID and things like that the past year and a half. Maybe you've never tried online giving. It's safe, secure, easy. Right now, you can take the opportunity to give. Thank you so much for your obedience. Thank you so much for watching this. If you're on Facebook, share it so that more people can join in. God bless you. Have a great day. So maybe you want to dive into this some more. I have a podcast that I do called the Churchology Podcast. And a couple of months ago, I interviewed uh, John Thompson. He's a pastor in Canada. And he wrote a book. It's probably, it's probably the best book that I've read on this. Um, it's called Deliverance. And you can pick it up on Amazon. I'll put a link in, in the show notes. But I'll also put a link to the interview if you want to watch it, check it out. His church has been involved in deliverance ministry for quite a while. So if you're walking away from this thinking, okay, like what's next? What could that look like? Um, there's, a, there's a practitioner right there. There's a guy that his church is trying to walk this out. And I think that... Uh, we got to take this as seriously as the Bible does. And so if we're going to take it seriously, that means walking it out, figuring out how to walk it out as well. And so, um, man, I would love to hear how God spoke to you through this. I think one of the big things that stuck out for me, just thinking about this, and as I continue to think about it for our churches, um, just to normalize the Bible. Uh, when we talk about this stuff, don't apologize for it. Don't him haw around. Oh, this is weird. I know it's crazy. No, it's not. It's Bible. It's Bible. And so it's just normal. And let's just lean into the Bible's view of reality. Make it our view of how the world works. That's all we need to do. And so thanks for listening. Hey, listen, if the ministry of Summit's blessed you, um, you want to give, there's links in the show notes. If you live around Hazard Perry County, you don't go to a church, love to have you come. Uh, join us in person uh, Sunday. We meet in person, 930, 11 o'clock. Live stream starts at 11 on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening. See you next time.